This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the besotted pride of West London podcast. We're actually, as we like to do once a month, we're coming from the pub today because we like to have a couple of beers. And um, we've also been to the Fans Forum where Mark Warburton, David Weir, Mark Devlin, Frank McParland and Cliff Crown also told us what's going down at Griffin Park. So uh, we're sitting here in the Griffin because we're sharing the booze of love in the Griffin today in the Globe on Saturday before when the Borough fans come down we'll come on to that later I'm sitting here my name's Billy Grant and I'm here with Mr David Lane how are you doing Dave? Yeah good evening yeah I had a really good evening at the uh, forum first one I've been to for a very long time um, thoroughly enjoyable lovely to uh, to hear the, the, the kind of the thoughts of people that are bringing this success to our club um, some good questions um, obviously a little bit of a loving because you know who would be complaining about too much at the moment but um, yeah just uh, yeah, a, a thoroughly enjoyable evening also got Mr Nick Liberal Nick Carton yeah Billy I enjoyed the forum as well I remember them when they used to take place with uh, Uwe and um, the level of information that we got out of the uh, people on the panel tonight compared with what Uwe used to tell us and Uwe used to I remember having a go at the audience uh, when somebody questioned I think it was why we didn't have any players left up uh, when corners were taken and Uwe really went for the audience had us all quaking in our boots and nobody would ask any questions after that so it was good to see a more open and honest discussions that took place today and also we've got Mr Jet Lagged Matt Allard who's literally flown straight off the plane from some sort of regional place which is so regional it's across the water across somewhere else where have you been mate? Uh, Banff in Canada um, which was a, an interesting trip but the best thing about it was I was able to watch the Norwich game live so it's all good fun so you'll be giving us the television perspective you'll be giving us the third, fourth, fifth, sixth angle view the referee, the goal view all sorts of stuff again yeah I'll be able to do all that and, um, and nick the opinions of the summariser as well we've also got an exclusive interview with Mark Warburton later so keep tuned in he's going to be talking about the Borough game and how he thinks we're going to do against them I think we need to go back to that wonderful, wonderful weekend that we all had in Norfolk and uh, where Brentford won 2-1. Fantastic victory. But we're going to go to the pub 
and uh, the pub's up in Norwich to hear what the fans had to say after the game. You missed the charge to the first minute. I thought, it's going to come our way, Billy. I did. I thought, well, we're going we're to capitalise on that. We never did. You were the better team. You played better defence. You played better midfield. You played better attack. We were woeful. Absolutely woeful. The whole game. Our defence was shocking. Every time you attacked, you looked like scoring. Our midfield was non-existent. Our strikers had no service. I can't really say that we had a good performance today. Your support was fantastic. You know, what can I say? We've got poor support when we're losing. And it's always been like that, Benny. That's how we are. We are totally led by the team on the pitch. It was absolutely fabulous. I think, uh, yeah, the, the penalty worried me because, you know, our, our record with penalties isn't very good anyway. And uh, I was just hoping Tarkovsky wasn't going to take it, which he did, which was good. And uh, I was nervous. I thought we deserved to win the game. I think genuinely deserved to win the game. I think Button pulled off a couple of saves, great saves. But you've got to expect that. And I thought Norwich didn't really offer as much as I expected them to. And I felt we had the, the best of it. We had the best of the game overall. And for an away team, I think that's pretty special. Their, their fans were very quiet, especially first half. I was really surprised. You know, you got 25,000 home fans and they're that quiet. That's, that's a shock to me. Obviously, Norwich are in the game where they believe they need to go and buy big-name players, pay big money for them, pay them big wages. Obviously not working for them. And it's the fans that suffer because they're paying 35 quid and they're happy to do that. Are you nervous that we might actually fall into that trap one day? Uh, you can never say never, but I don't think so. I think we have got an ethos, and I think we, you know, our ethos is good. I don't see what's going to take us there, what's going to take us into that level. I don't know, I think as long as we've got the structure that we've got and the ethos that we've got, we'll stick with it. Norwich have been there for a long, long time. I think Norwich have got 30 years on us in terms of being in Premiership, you know, top flight club. And I think, you know, I think we're a long, long way from that situation. I, I think today Brentford were by far the worthy winners. They should have won by quite a bit more. Um, they had a lot more quality on the ball. I think they had a lot more possession. Um, I was disappointed with the fight that Norwich showed because I thought it was pretty poor, to be honest, considering we've got a new manager in charge and you expect everyone to be putting in 110% for the new manager. I didn't really see it today. And I think, to be honest, Brentford controlled the game. They had by far the better chances. And it's very, very disappointing from an Norwich perspective today. You know, if we'd won today, then we would have leapfrogged you and we'd have been in the playoff places. But we were nowhere near it and we didn't deserve it today. I mean, I, I know we keep banging on about this price thing because it really does amaze us that, you know, certain teams feel that they could charge more than others because they feel that they're better and bigger. Now, if, if I was a Norwich fan and I sent 35 quid, I'll be outside the chairman's office tomorrow complaining, demonstrating. But you guys seem to just accept paying that money for pretty average football. Uh, well, I think the thing is that Norwich is a one-team city and we consistently sell out our grounds. We've got a waiting list for season tickets. You know, the prices are quite high, but the demand is there. So if you've got demand, then unfortunately, you know, teams what, do... Well, it depends on what... Depends on what world you live in, and supply and demand, yeah, that could work to a certain extent, but if you've got so much demand, why don't you charge 100 quid? No, there was only one winner, to be honest, and for right from the first minute, when you should have scored, I don't know how you missed that one, and after that, we just weren't at the races at all, we just didn't, didn't do anything, and you guys passed it around so well, that it was only ever going to be one winner, as far as I could see. You definitely should have been at least two ahead at half-time, one-one was an injustice, really, so... 
we, we got no complaints at all. You know, we, you play some lovely football and, you know, you're one of the best teams that ever come down here this season, to be honest. The best performance I've seen, away performance I've seen from Brentford this season. Uh, we were solid at the back. Uh, our midfield uh, played the ball well and our attack actually um, scored two, two good goals with the penalty that came. But the man of the match, overwhelmingly, was David Button. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting back tonight to seeing him on the telly. The two saves that he made, the double save that he made, was out of this world. It reminded me of Jim Montgomery for Sunderland versus Leeds in the cup final all those years ago. That man, Button, has saved us three, possibly six points this season so far. Long may continue. And Tony Parks, credit to you for recognising what a great goalkeeper he is. Uh, I thought Norwich were a bunch of hoofers today. They're a, a canny team. They they were good at good at kicking people. They were good at hoofing the ball up. Again, only one team playing football. We played it round their players like they were not there. Fully deserved to win. David Button, outstanding. Dougie in the middle, outstanding. Um, bees are going up, mate. Bees are going up. That was... That just brings me back. Saturday, that was just wicked. Just listening to the Bees fans, the Norwich fans, talking about that game. And there was a lot of home truths being told there as well, wasn't it? I mean, that was one of the best Saturdays that we've had in, in, in a while, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was an absolutely joyous day um, I, I did find that it was I, I, apart from the performance and the, obviously the win and going to a stadium like that and you know seeing Brentford win for the first time in three or four generations was seeing the patronising Norwich fans eating humble pie afterwards because they all reluctantly kind of they all kind of listen to the oh well you know you know don't underestimate us we play great football you know if you underestimate us it'll be at your peril and they were kind of like yeah you know we'll still win it's two or three nil and we played them off the park again um, and you know it, to, to see their to see their faces after the game after ha having been told what to expect um, they they still weren't having it they they are still wrapped up in this kind of. I am um, I am a better fan than you because my team's been more successful than you for uh, quite a few years, and you know you can see the tides are turning, um, and I just hope that we can we can sort of put the four 0 defeat at the Riverside behind us on uh, on Saturday and show a few more fans. I, ho I hope Borough are, defend um, are preparing for the Brentford they saw in the back end of September rather than the Brentford we have, you know begun to expect now. I mean, Nick, we, 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 we got a result out there because, you know, we went 1-0 up and then they came back, drew one all, and, you know, we just thought, oh, God, same old, same old. They weren't playing great football, Norwich weren't, but they got back in the game again. What were you thinking at that point? It wasn't the same old, same old, because you knew that you had a team that would battle on. I mean, the thing about last Saturday's game for me was a performance of Button. And I got home that night, late that night, turned on the Football League show, watched that those buttons save, and I saved it onto my recorder, and then I watched that button save again, and then I saved, 
hit the rewind button and watch that button save again. David Button was magnificent last week. Um, I think that showed that Brentford is a, have, from players 1 to 11, have a real team approach to this game. Beforehand, we've always been weak in an area. Sometimes we've been weak in the goalkeeping department, sometimes it's been weak in the goal score. Last week, we scored goals, but Button, absolutely. Best ever game he's played for Brentford. If he goes on doing like that, I fear that we may lose him to some big club who will want to sign him for many millions of pounds. And, and talk about Button. I mean, Button and Pritchard were neck and neck, quite literally, for man of the match. Norwich fans thought that Pritchard was, was fantastic. Um, Button was absolutely brilliant um, and he just pipped him by 1% I think he was and the besotted man of the match and um, I think he'd probably be very happy with that got to say about Button he's actually gaining this team points at the moment you know the, the save that he made at the end of the Rotherham game it won us the three points rather than dropping the two points and then the same, same at Norwich you know the way he, he got a, t- a very slight touch to the shot that was you know coming from 35 yards tipped it onto the bar you know the strength and to get up and the agility to, to, to knock, it, knock, knock it out of play again you know absolutely stunning Matt interesting you were seeing it from afar from very afar but you were getting all the camera views so what was your view of your game? I actually thought it was um, Brentford back to their best. I think that since um, since um, the games um, over Christmas, where we took a dip in form, and um, I found that you know we were right back to where we were when we were when we beat Derby two one. Um, it, it was a real sort of performance where we kept the ball moving, we looked confident, um, we were moving the ball forwards quickly, and. I just think we played really well as a team and I know you can pick the individuals out but I thought Hotter had a good game there were some elements of skill he showed that were absolutely fantastic um, Bidwell got forwards it was just a really great team performance and, and I thought when we had the dip I was wondering whether we were going to come back out of it and I think we, I'm pretty well I'm sure we have now one player who went, who's gone underneath the radar on the Norwich game in terms of performance was Jonathan Douglas who I thought had a really strong game um, he's been you know We've worried about whether his contract negotiation talks have sort of taken the edge off his play. But on Saturday, he really turned up. And I thought, actually, put in the performance that said to the management team, hey, guys, you want to re-sign me on the contract under my terms. And it was nice to see Douglas doing that. I'm wondering as well, Matt, again, I'm just interested because we don't see very many games on the television at all. So this is a new experience. But didn't Norwich look as bad on TV as what we thought they looked on the terraces? Um, yeah, they were terribly long ball. Um, they, I was actually completely surprised as to how they played. I, I thought they were a better team than that. But I don't know whether it was the way Brentford played and that just put them under so much pressure that they could only hit long. But they were looking to get the ball forwards very quickly in as short a number of passes as possible. Um, I don't remember them playing like that when they came down to Griffin Park and I don't think the TV screwed that perspective. And I mean, we're not going to hark on about it too much because there was a lot said before the game about the £35 and the fans weren't happy. The £35, we paid a lot of money, but obviously that was a big, that was a big, it's a big issue. Brentford fans were singing, you know, £35, you're having a laugh. But also, what's more to the point was the stadium was lacking a lot of atmosphere, didn't you think? Absolutely. I mean, if you start charging fans to watch football at those prices, all that they're expecting 
is to be entertained. And if you're a Norwich fan, you were not entertained on Saturday. Whereas we were, royally, and we sung and we danced and we chanted and showed that £35, bit of a piss take, but hey, you know, we'll take it if we win like that. And, uh, I mean... I mean, going back to that as well, we spoke, we were in the pub, we got down to Norwich very early, we spoke to a lot of their fans. You know, Dave said that there's a bit of patronising. I think more to the fact is that they just didn't take us seriously. And I think you get to the stage where you actually want people um, to take you seriously as a club. And it might take a season or two for people to do that. Um, and Norwich got, a, you know, they got a bit of a hiding. We're going to talk about the fans forum a bit later on, but Cliff Crown was sitting there and he said he sat in the Norwich end and he said that every single Norwich fan around him after the game said to him, you're the best team that came to Carroll Road. And it's the same feedback that we heard, we got as well, which is, which is really encouraging that people are slowly starting to actually take us seriously. The one thing I would say is that I don't think the Norwich fans were patronising to us after the game. To a man and a woman, they came up and said, you were the best team to have played at Carrow Road. And what was really nice as a Brentford fan is that in the past, we've said to away supporters, you've been one of the best teams that we've seen this season. And it's really nice to have a boot on the opposite foot and for people to come up to us and say, yeah, you're a really good team, hope you go up. I think that's all you can ever expect, really, as, as, as a fellow football fan, is about honesty and um, you know, giving credit where credit's due. You know, we, it's, it, it drives me crazy, this big club, we're bigger than you, this Bertie big bollocks kind of, oh, you know, who do you think you are, big time Charlie's, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's about how you play football. It's not about what you've done in the past. We're seeing football cyclical. You know, Wigan Athletic, they, they may have had a really successful last decade, but it looks like they're going to get relegated. So for them to be harping on about they're a bigger club than us, it's just really, really shallow. Um, I think you've just got to be honest, and if a, if a team deserves to beat you, just just you know, just hold your hands up. But you know, that's why I think this, this, this mantra at the moment, it's, it's, it's so easy to buy into, this, this Brentford style of football is just wonderful to watch and I'm, I'm just so glad it's our club that's playing it I've, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, I've become a bit tired of watching other people um, enjoy success and rise into the top some of these un, un, unglamorous teams that we've seen go there you know like uh, Swindon and Wigan and you know Blackpool they've all been there it's our turn it is and talking about our turn we're going to going to head over in a little bit to just have a little bit of feedback on exactly what happened at the fans forum today um, where obviously Martin Weird, Mark Warburton, all these guys are going to tell us what is going on at the club, why exactly are we in the playoff places because we shouldn't be because we are tin pop Brentford and we should be near the relegation zone but obviously they've got something up their sleeves that we don't know about, we're going to find out about it a little bit later. So we've been down at the fans forum tonight, fans forums are funny things because uh, when you're doing really well, you don't think anyone's going to turn up because no one's got anything to complain about. But it's actually pretty busy down there tonight. Um, pretty full contingent of Bees fans. And to be fair, um, the panel up there um, did very well in answering the questions, avoiding quite a few questions as well by being very diplomatic and, and letting us know, you know as much information as we can have. We were sitting down there and we've been in the pub for you know an hour or so just discussing what happened tonight at the fans forum. Quite a few interesting things and I'm just going to go around and uh, ask you boys what, what, what plucked out for you? What, what took your interest there Dave? Um, what I was most impressed about was the amazing humility, intelligence and knowledge of Mark Warburton and his team. They are the most Brentford people to be in charge of our club and the way they talk and how thoroughly they prepare um, 
we're just we are blessed and it might be cringy to, for me to say it but we this this moment in time is special and we need to savor them the other two things that stood out for me were um, that we are going to try where we can to stay at Griffin Park even if that includes dropping down to reduced capacity um, and they are going to have a memorial gardens where Griffin Park uh, is um, and they're going to have the Marcus Gale massive memorial fountain um, apparently and um, Cliff Crown as well said that he, it's a great quote money is not our god and I won't ridicule him because um, money is everyone's god in football at the moment but what he meant by that is when we decide to move away from Griffin Park if we have to it will be in the in the interest of Brentford Football Club it won't be purely about money so that so that I think that ties into um, to yours I mean yeah I mean, I mean let's just let's, let's discuss this for a minute Mal because money is not my god I mean that came there's a number of issues that came out of that we were talking about the idea that a lot of clubs are charging uh, 40 you know players are getting 30 40 grand a week and um, charging, you know, 10 grand, 15, 15 million pounds that they're playing players for. And we asked the question as to whether or not Brentford are going to fall into that trap if we actually ever get to that stage. Okay, so are Brentford going to are Brentford going to end up paying somebody 40 grand a week? Because at the moment now we're, we're paying people a fraction of that cost. But people like Norwich, they're in that scenario. Um, the indication that we got from the panel is that. You never, never say never, but Brentford aren't set up like that. We ain't going out to throw big money at you know at players just willy nilly, and especially not in the championship. We ain't going to be paying people thirty and forty grand a week. There seems to be a really confident confidence in the Brentford style, the way we find players, the way we research players, how we finance players, what we spend on players. They, they talked about they talked about um, the way structure being all about harmony. They talked about us, you know, doing things within our means. They, they, you know, they, they said when the time's right, when we had to compete with the clubs that were spending ridiculous amounts of money, then that 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 may change. But I think that's only going to change if if stroke when we 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 go up and to say you know if we go up in the sentence about Brentford in the Premiership, it's crazy. I think Dave makes an important point, and I thought Cliff Crown's uh, point was he's not going to gamble the house on getting promotion. And I think that's the key thing, because you see it too often in football, people throwing money at this desperation to get into the Premiership, and they think, right, if only we get this striker that we'll pay £10 million for, and we'll pay him 45 grand a week, we're guaranteed automatic promotion. Well... That doesn't work the majority of the times, and it's really good to see that we have a management team at Brentford, both on and off the field, who understand that. Um, and I think let's go and uh, keep on keep on developing the Brentford model, which I reckon is actually the way that most clubs will start moving in the future as well. Matt, I mean, anything about the forum that you thought was was interesting? I know that you were discussing a few points earlier. I think that um, there, there's definitely, from what I took from the forum, is that we want to stay at Griffin Park next season. Um, um, the outline we're going to put into the Premier League is that, although we know we're not going to meet the criteria completely, um, we would make a number of changes in the hope that they'll they'll go with it. Um, one of the things I did mention is that we would potentially try and keep standing in the Premier League, which I don't know when was the last time a a ground had standing in the Premier League, so I thought that was interesting, um, and um, and it's good to see that you know we're not 
if we can stay at Griffin Park, we will. I don't know whether that's because, to some extent, maybe they've had a bit of been brushed off by a few places. They said Wembley was too much money. Reading, thankfully, have got London Irish playing there, and Chelsea, Twickenham, and Harlequins have ruled themselves out, which only kind of leaves Fulham and QPR, which um, you know some people may not be so keen on. But what I, what I'd say on that is also is that you say it's interesting about the standing thing. But what I think also think is that statement also becomes revolutionary because to turn around is that you're not allowed to stand but to turn around and say actually we believe that we may be able to stand is, is almost like going against the he rules said, he, said in the, he said in the home end it would be possible to have say standing at Lionel Road um, which I, I agree is is a, is, a, is a big leap forward from, from where, we're at, where, where we've been we are starting that conversation we are starting that conversation but I'm coming back to Griffin Park and the fact that we could actually be standing at Griffin Park in the Premier League which I think is a massive thing and again we talk about the Besotted survey there which is still in progress at the moment now if you go to Besotted you'll see there's a survey there at the moment now which is asking people if we had the possibility of staying at Griffin Park okay the capacity will be smaller right so we can't get as many as if there's 18 or 20 or 25,000 people but would you be prepared to pay a little bit extra money to stay at Griffin Park and could you imagine if we had Man United or Liverpool or Everton down at Griffin Park 10, 12,000 people standing at both ends it'll be absolutely amazing the thing it, it, would, it would appear that they are, you, they're going to consider using Lionel Road as, as a bit of a bathroom tool because it's clear, you know, we are going to move to a new ground. So it's not like we're going to the Premier with absolutely no idea how we're going to ever cope with these crowds and we, we, we would have to ground share. You know, it, it couldn't cope long term. But there is a very short term fix to all our problems. It's whether we can make the authorities make, you know, agree to concessions that would allow us to stay at Griffin Park while Lionel Road's being built. It's sort of like, no, you know, yeah, we, we, they'll allow us to stand for a little bit longer because we've got a new stadium being built. It's not, it's not like it's on the never-never. If we get to be realistic about this, I mean, I passionately hope that we'll stay at Griffin Park, but if we can't or are forced out by the Premier League, and it will be the Premier League forcing us out of Griffin Park, then I think the only options, and I know there will be fans who don't like this, but the only options where we can move to are either QPR or Fulham. Um, we've got to stay in West London, partly because we'll start, we'll lose our fan base if we move out from, from West London. Um, we certainly don't want to go to Reading, we certainly don't want to go to Oxford. Yeah, the, there is potential. I, I, I'm not sure Reading came where Reading came from, but and, and let's let's all remember around this table. We're not saying we're going to get promoted, but if we did get promoted and say we moved to Reading, what would happen is a load of people in Reading, that, the same people that probably bought season tickets when Reading played in the Premier League because they wanted to watch Man United and Arsenal and Tottenham and Chelsea, buy season tickets, and they ain't going to come to Brentford. I, you know, I, I have said it consistently that if we were to go up to the Premier, no matter what, however the beautiful football we're playing, it may be for one season. And if I'm going to spend one season in the Premier League, I want to be surrounded with my mates in my club, in my town, not at Majeski. I just I don't want to see Brentford in the Premier League 
anywhere just for the sake of it. It's got to be on our terms. There was a lot of talk about Stadia, another Stadia. Norwich has brought up quite a few times. Um, we talked about the fact that Norwich, okay, massive ticket price, but also atmosphere was very terrible. But also, they asked Warburton about sort of uh, the fact that the fans were very negative and the negativity of the fans, and they'd really turn on the Norwich team within a matter of seconds. Um, and uh, it was quite funny because Warburton said that they're normally used to getting a torrent of abuse and uh, they were getting a bit of abuse from Norwich fans but then they were very happy because it, it was redirected from, uh, from, from themselves to, to, the, to, the, to the Norwich bench right, which I thought was quite funny That, that comes from expectations and, and being forced to pay 35 quid if you're being forced to pay 35 quid your expectations are, are high if it was a probably more reasonably priced they may not have expectations like that which leads us back to this whole stadium scenario which again a few characters came up to me afterwards and said look you know this whole stadium thing we're a bit worried that we might lose the atmosphere when we move to a bigger stadium when we do whatever you know we're going to do so the situation is that we were we look at something like Norwich and you sort of think why why is a club like that which has got 28 30,000 people got no vibe and we need to make sure that we can we can, we, we can carry on with what Griffin Park is like. We've got 12,000 people and the place is rocking. If we move to 18 or 20,000, we need to make sure that it's rocking. Well, they've gone past this threshold and the, the fans expect, they believe, they have actually taken a personal claim to the success of their football clubs and where they believe, as I said earlier, that they feel that they are better because their club's been successful and they feel that they deserve it. And once you start deserving it, it opens this tin of worms. And it's, it can go horribly wrong from there on in. Um, and, you know, this is why I just say enjoy this moment. It's where we are, we are turning, we are, we are, we are forming opinion. We are, we are changing the way people perceive our club. Now. Have we discussed the Memorial Garden at all? Only the Marcus Bale Memorial Fountain. Okay, yeah, because it's interesting as well, because somebody, I think somebody asked whether or not benefit, Brentford would benefit anything from uh, Lionel Road and Griffin Park. Um, the answer was the stadium cost 70 million, financing the stadium obviously with housing in the stadium and also housing on Griffin Park. So basically they're going to build flats on Griffin Park, not flats on the cottage. <laughs> However, there's going to be this memorial garden at Griffin Park so you can still go down there and uh, you know have a little bit of bow, probably a little bit of turf from Brentford. Be there forevermore, hopefully. Um, it's quite a nice touch, though, don't you think? Yeah, it's good. It's good that they're actually thinking about it. You know, I know Middlesbrough um, have got this. You know, it's, I wouldn't say. Well, I actually was going to say brilliant, but it was quite innovative at the time. But where Ayrton Park was, there's a housing estate, and there's there's sort of brass. There's brass studs in the road where the half halfway line was and the, where the penalty spots were and in and, and in people's gardens they've got like special special sort of mementos of where where the penalty spot was and goalposts were. So you know, a little bit of thought goes a long way. And you know, you know, we've celebrated 125 years of our club this year. You know, where the where the stadium is, where we spent the most of our time, it needs to be remembered. And it's good that they're thinking about it. We haven't got many hills in Brentford. We could. 
could create with all the ashes of people who will be wanting their ashes thrown on the memorial gardens, we could create a nice, you know, nice mountain range in Brentford, couldn't we? Grassy <laughs> knoll. I think I think they should leave the post that always gets in my way in New Road when I'm trying to watch the game. Leave that in position. That'd be good. They also um, get um, some sort of listing on the floodlights because seriously, like those four floodlights, they're not going to get in anyone's way. So they really ought to leave them. Really, solar powered. Nick, the living wage, which is a very big um, issue for yourself, and uh, you were pleased to see a bit of positivity coming from the Brentford camp as the, for them signing up to the living wage, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, unbeknownst to me is that Cliff Crown said that they've been discussing it at the board meeting um, that, that very day. I actually do think it's important that football clubs are part of the community and um, whether you're a large club or a small club and I think AFC Wimbledon and Barnet were the first clubs to announce in London that they're going to pay the London living wage there, uh, to all their employees um, Brentford, we're successful, we're friendly, we're a family club we ought to be paying our staff a decent wage and I was glad to see that the club are actually looking seriously at introducing that only worry was that they talked about whether they would do it this season or next season true to form I would argue they should be doing it sooner rather than later uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm having a look at a couple of the, the other answers here and I think we need to sort of pick out these answers because there's a couple of answers that they gave which were a little bit I wouldn't say nondescript but you have to try and sort of read in between the lines here so I mean the question was answers will we benefit from the foreshore deal obviously foreshore was sold a lot earlier um, as you hear, Mike Warburton will talk about this later, but he didn't see that coming. No one saw this coming. I mean, my question is that: Do we get the do we get the full money from him? Because we were promised, you know, three point six mil. Do we get that full money from them? What about the sell-on clause and so on and so forth? When that question was asked, did we get benefit for the foreshore deal? And uh, I think the answer came in: Yes, there is a sell-on clause. Uh, whether or not we'll get money from it or not is another question. Now, what, what, how can you read into that? Not, I'm not even sure Adam Forshaw saw it coming. I'm not, I don't even know where he, you know, where he thinks he needs to turn up on Saturday. Um, yeah, it's been a, a very strange few months for that lad, and I think his agent has had to work very hard to get his client out of a hole. Um, no, there was a lot of vagueness, but the problem is with the vagueness that you can understand it to a certain extent because it's an undisclosed fee and Brentford are bound to abide by that, otherwise they're going to lose the money that's going to come their way. I think it's going to cost us, to be honest. He hadn't played 20 games, whether there was kick-ins or not, I'm not sure. The one thing I would say is we're going to clearly on a far side. And I mean, they're obviously in a bit of financial trouble. It seems to me that Wigan are planning for life in the, the first division. They, they're obviously assuming they're going to get relegated this year. Well, from what I've heard from my Wigan contacts, is actually is Whelan's actually uh, looking to get rid of his assets and pass it on to his uh, his grandson, who's David. I can't remember his name. David. <laughs> no, it's not Whelan. David Smith or something like that. I can't remember his name. You know. So that's the scenario with them. So you know, Wigan. I mean, I'll be a little bit worried if I was a Wigan fan. Uh, another question I'm going to ask as well, which was a little bit vague, because I didn't really ask the question. Will Grigg. Somebody says, Will Grigg, he's been scoring goals for franchise FC, AKA Dons. Does he have a future for Brentford? And uh, they said, he's been doing great, we sent him out, and, you know, long may it continue. I think Warburton said something along the lines of, um, why would I bring him back to sit on the bench? Um, which I think shows you where he's in the pecking order and I don't think we'll see Will Grigg back in the near future. Mark Warburton is uh, a real diplomat and if you listen to what he said, 
is absolutely no chance Will Green's going to come back to Griffith Park. And he wouldn't have said that, but you've got to assume that he's being polite. Yeah, I think, and he said it in a more polite way than I just did as well. No, there were, there were, yeah, but was, the thing is with Mark, Mark Warburton, there's, there's no, there's no kind of like sarcastic way of him saying it. He actually says it as it is, and he, he's very, very sincere in what he says. And he, he's not, he's not sort of his eyes aren't saying one thing and his mouth saying another. He, he meant that you know Will Grigg would come back and sit on the bench. Would you want Andre Gray? replaced by Will Grigg and the answer is no and no. We all know that Will Grigg is a Division 1 striker. What we also know is that Andre Gray has the potential to be a, a Premiership striker. Uh, I mean there is an argument to say and I'm going to be devil's advocate here that um, Tumani Diagora is a Division 1 midfielder but then he got to a scenario where he had to step up and he, he was able to step up because of, he was in a situation which he could do. Well, again, you know, um, the, the praise for Tiamani Diaraga's um, meteoric, stunning, wonderful transformation of form is, was given down to Mark Warburton the way he allows players to not be under huge pressure, not to ball them out, not to scream at them and make them feel like they're humiliated. It's about um, um, allowing them to find their own belief and their own confidence and nurturing. And, that, and that's why Andre Gray is, is still in the team. It's not, because, it's not because he's scoring millions of goals, it's because we see him as the future and Warburton's going to give him the space and, um, and uh, he's going to give him the, 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 the kind of encouragement to, to, to grow. And, you know, it's just brilliant. It's absolutely, it's, it's the way to nurture talent. One of the answers that I did find slightly disappointing, I have to admit, and it's something which is a bit of a bugbear with quite a lot of fans, is that when they ask the question about um, when they sell tickets for away games, and they ask the question, can't you sell tickets at the back for standing, fans who want to stand or get a little bit more boisterous, and tickets at the bottom for fans who want to sit down. Now, you know, which is a fair point, the club said, look, we have to sell the tickets according to the regulations of the club that we're playing. But the flip side scenario that we said is that this causes a lot of problems. It causes aggravation. The stewards have to wade in. It's just a complete and utter nightmare. And people also want to enjoy themselves. So, you know, maybe oh, we have to get in a situation where, you know, not have to put our foot down. We have to start making some noises to say, look, this situation is going to be best for everybody. Can't we actually do something about this? I've said this before. I don't understand why clubs cannot supply a seating plan to the away team. Um, it would be you go to the theatre you can choose where to sit if you go to a football ground you should be able to say please can I have a seat at the back or please can I have a seat at the front if you choose to have a seat at the back the club can then say well look we've reserved the last two rows for people who may stand up and sing and why don't you choose a third row from the back blah 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 I just simply don't understand why this can happen and nobody has been able to give me a clear answer as to why it doesn't there seems to be a lack of real botheredness about this from the club. You know, immediately they said we're playing by their rules. Yeah, well, just ask the questions. You know, again, a seating plan. There's a, there's a complete. I bought tickets online for the Watford game this week, and I was able to click exactly what seats I wanted. And it, it, it can be very simple. There is a back and a front to any section. 
and all you've got to ask is do you want to sit at the back with the singers or at the front and sit down it's, it's a very simple question you sell that in each block we need a cheerleader in the club for this and at the moment we haven't got one and I think that's the problem it's being, bo- it's being bothered someone has got to be bothered to try and make it work I know that we are we are restricted by other people's rules to a certain extent but someone has actually got to be bothered to try and make it work I also wonder how many clubs use the same um, agency that sit for the website with the ticketing and when we play clubs that do use that the same one has asked why we can't ha- be able to pick our own I mean, any, anything, any, yeah, I, I, I thought that um, David Weir speaking, um, listening to him talk about the signing of um, uh, Lewis, what's his surname? Lewis McLeod, yeah, sorry. Lewis McLeod was a, an absolute benchmark in our history. Um, the way, um, you know, we've, we've said it as fans, but to hear them say it as the people behind clinching these transfers. It is a pivotal moment in our history where we are able to um, get the best players from the best clubs in Britain. They come to Brentford rather than staying at Glasgow Rangers. It, 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 it is, a, is a moment. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think David Weir is probably the underrated hero of our season so far. Um, I don't think he's got the recognition from Brentford fans that he deserves. Um, he and Mark Warburton, it was clear tonight, are a really tight team. Um, and I'm so glad that uh, we're decided to uh, come to us. I'm, you know, I'm full of admiration for the man. Well, you know, there's always going to be a fear that Mark Warburton may go off at, at some stage. And it is evident that David Weir is being, I don't want to use this word, groomed. He's being... He, he probably is the next Brentford manager, but let's hope that's a very, very long time away. I would argue. I would argue that anybody who takes uh, Warburton should take Weir. They they are a team. It is quite clear that they operate as a team. And if Warburton goes, Don't Weir will go with him. So, so you're asking people to poach our manager? Oh, cheers. Yeah, because we got away with it when um, when Rosler left, didn't we? You know, they just went with Rosler and the, and the rest of the. Took the fitness coach and Rosler. I kind of I, I'm more on the opinion of that there is a team here, and um, and it, you know there was a question to Warburton about would he consider going elsewhere, and it and that would worry me that we might lose a team rather than one individual. But I don't think personally we need to worry about this at the moment because I genuinely think it would take one hell of an offer and one hell of a club for Warburton to look elsewhere and we all thought it was very interesting there was a lot of chuckles went around when Mark Devlin, I mean we all know but the colours were raised that he's a QPR fan but he, he was a QPR fan who told us the story of when Jota scored the goal and he thought it was absolutely fantastic and he started poking it in the eye of the Fulham fans where obviously this QPR-Fulham rivalry is still very, very, very fresh and very, very strong and I said like Devlin was uh, right in there 
poking the eyes of the Fulham fans. Yeah, no, fair, fair play to Mark Devlin for saying it. You know, no, no one's got a problem with being. You know, no one's got a problem with being a Rangers fan. Really, surely you you can't you can't have that problem. It's about best practice for your football club. If you know, if if what he can bring takes us forward, it doesn't matter who he supports. You know, you want someone to be honest to themselves, and if they've grown up being a fan of a certain club, you don't want to lie to you. If it's a QPR boy, it's, it's fine by me. You know, we're all West London folk together. There's, there is a rivalry. You know, you always want your clubs to do better against his club, um, and 67 would always, you know, stay long in our memories. But, you know, if he's a QPR fan, I'm glad he's blooming proud enough to say it. And listen, guys, just to sum this up, we've sat here, we've listened to them all chat. Yes, it was a bit of a loving, but we are doing very well for that. What, what came out for it for you as an overall? I was very disappointed, to be honest, that no one brought up the toilets at Griffin Park <laughs> or the, um, the pies, to be honest with you. Yeah, I was sad that nobody brought up the set of the onions. Matt, I mean, you're, you're just absolutely gobsmacked by the fact that you think that everything's going right at Griffin Park and you heard Warburton chatting and giving his pride moment when Charlton, when we scored the equaliser against Charlton, which for him was his premium top moment of the whole season, which I thought was a little bit... I was well happy with that, because yeah, I gave you exactly the same one in the podcast a few weeks ago for the end of season review, so, you know, it's nice to see that I'm thinking along the same lines as Warburton. So if Warburton gets poached, you say that you're going to take over the managership, yeah? Well, I might be able to pick the pilot of the season, I'm not sure about manager club. <laughs> <laughs> right, OK, listen, that's enough about the forum, we're going to go on and we're going to have a little look forward to the weekend when we play Borough who are coming down in their droves. Besotted talked to Mark Warburton tonight and he gave us his verdict on how he thinks Brentford are going to do against Borough when they come down on Saturday. We've got Mark Warburton here, Brentford manager. Got a big game on Saturday, Mark. Borough are coming down and I know they gave us a big tonking 4-0 but you were saying that we learned a good lesson from that game up there, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Uh, our standards dropped. After half-time, we had one bad half of football all season. That was it. Second half at Middlesbrough. So we learned from that. We use it every week, really. So now, as I say, if we do let us down and slip, that's the type of defeat you can expect to receive. This touches the quality of the division. So right now, we're prepared. We're in a good run of form and looking forward to the weekend. We had a bit of a blip at Christmas. Lost a couple of games, then we were out of the FA Cup. But we seem to come out of that now. And we've learned a couple of lessons by maybe digging in dirty and just grinding out a few results. No, I thought about grinding. I thought we went to Wolves and played really well. A shocking offside decision. And a game we dominate in terms of possession, we end up losing 2-1. So there was no major concern. If you lose a game 4-5-0, then you have some worries. But I thought we played really well against Wolves. Um, played well against Brighton, the FA Cup, missing chance after chance, and yet didn't get the result. But then Rotherham, Brighton, Norwich, these, they're three tough games and, and three, three wins. Uh, we're right in it with two points up top. We've got Borough coming down, they're getting down there very early, very lively set of fans they are, and you know they're going to get right behind their team. Brentford fans, though, you saw, like at the Fulham game, how we can get lively as well. How important is it for you that we actually get behind you, boys? Really important, really important. I, it was common, it was discussing training ground. The Fulham under lights, the Norwich under lights were two, magn two magnificent atmospheres, and we've got to try and repeat that without the lights, so to speak. We need Griffin Park, we're rocking on Saturday. It's an early kickoff. it's on Sky, we've got to make sure that the base road, we've got to play the football that gets the fans happy and brings them alive, and that's what we have to do, Billy, but both sides can help each other here because it'll be a tough test. Uh, they're a good team, well-organised, well-led, and it's important that we, we maximise what we have here. A bit of a surprise because we've got a surprise opponent popping up possibly in this on a Saturday, Mr Adam Forshaw, yeah. who we didn't expect to play till the last game of the season. Didn't see that, didn't see that move coming. 
I mean, I think his, his agent's obviously done very well because he's got him out of a bit of a sinking ship there. But um, he's going to be playing. He's going to be possibly playing for for, for Borough. Do you think he's going to be able to give them any indicators as to you know? No, the the, the, the uh, analysis department's pretty. They know each other inside out. We're um, we're, we're well aware of the threat that they pose. They're well aware of the threat that we pose. Adam knows us. We know him. I think he'll he'll play some part on Saturday. I'm sure to come off, and hopefully he'll get a good reception because he he gave two or three years of loyal service and he's a very talented player. Okay, and big game Saturday. Good luck with you and the boys on Saturday. But he really appreciate we'll be there, it. We'll be there singing. Shout out now. Look mate. forward to it, Billy. Thanks okay. very much, Cheers, Thanks, Thanks very much. Thanks, Billy. So big game at the weekend. A lot of buzzing activity will be taking place on Saturday at Griffin Park and we've got an enormous amount of borough fans waking up at two in the morning coming down on minibuses and coaches and trains and all sorts and uh, they're going to be excited knocking on the doors at nine o'clock in the morning and we have got Rob from Fly Me to the Moon podcast the borough podcast and the borough fanzine and the borough website wicked guy Rob we met him when he was up there selling fanzines outside Rob's going to chat to us about how he thinks Borough are going to take Brentford apart on Saturday and we're going to tell him actually mate we're having a laugh so big game on Saturday big six pointer and we're going to head up north chat to Rob Nichols from Fly Me to the Moon fanzine and website and Mr Man about Borough Rob how you doing? I'm all right. I'm looking forward to coming down to London again because I was uh, I was called down on Monday to be part of the FA Cup draw. So um, I'm in London, and then I'll be coming back for the Arsenal game in a couple of weeks. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not usually coming down to London that many times, but I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to going to Griffin Park. It's been a long time, and I'm looking forward to the contest with Brentford because you're going so well, aren't you? That's right, man. That is. And talk about you know we're going so well, but you boys we're talking about. FA Cup mm. Saturday. I mean, that must have been wicked. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, I went, we went there really with uh, sort of, it was hope and and the, 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 what I was going to say with expectation, but the expectations were that we, we we were hoping that we could do as we did against Liverpool in the League Cup. You remember with the, the the penalty shootout that went on forever, and That's and right. and that really. Uh, although we lost that game, everyone was so excited uh, afterwards. People watching it on TV, and and, and, it, and it was a big sort of a boost to our season. There's no doubt about it, and it brought the players together. It brought the, it brought the club together, and and the feeling was going to Man City. You're playing you're playing the, the Premier League champions. If you perform well here, then then the same thing can happen again. You bring everybody together, um, and we not only performed well, obviously we. We knocked them out, and well, deservedly so. It was uh, it was incredible. It was like dreamland. But then it was just mad to, to find out that Bradford had like <laughs> outdone you in a way to beat Chelsea. But uh, what, what an afternoon for the FA Cup, I think. Brilliant afternoon. And again, for anyone who's been living under a rock, obviously Borough went to Manchester City to their manor and actually uh, beat them, knocked them out the FA Cup, yeah. which was amazing, you know. And and for us. Obviously, a little bit of trepidation because we're playing you on Saturday, but hopefully, we think you might have peaked too early. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had, a, you had a good result yourself, didn't you, against Norwich, where um, you stopped their uh, revival uh, just when they were starting to get 
you know, thinking about new manager, maybe going into the playoffs, looking looking good. But I thought that 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 was a that's a great result. It was a fantastic result. We've talked about it a bit earlier on this podcast already. We've, we've you know we've been talking about it all weekend and all week. I mean, we we really did play them off the park. Um, we right. were fantastic, and they didn't look very good. And they ran out of ideas that they were they were actually just hoofing the ball at us, which was quite mm. bizarre, you know. But hey, well, I think um, Middlesbrough fans uh, are quite uh, there's a lot of respect to you for, for the way that you obviously not not only because it's your first season. Up in in the uh, championship, but the way you bounced back because it was a it was a pretty one sided affair, wasn't it? When Brentford came to Middlesbrough, and uh, but but since then you've made that into a blip. You've really come back, and you've won a lot of games away from home as well as at home. That's right. I mean, and again, we played you at Middlesbrough. We lost four nil. I mean, again, Brentford fans, or me and the mates, and a lot of us, we voted that game is still, even though we lost four nil one of our best away days. We had an absolutely fantastic time up at Borough. Great time in, in the bars. Met lots of good guys. Some of them coming down, actually. Straight after the game, they're coming down to meet up with us, have a few beers before the game and after the game. But that was fantastic yeah. day off the pitch. On the yeah. pitch, we were a nightmare. And we put our hands up and we thought for the first time, oh dear, we've got a few lessons to learn here. We're not, yeah. Yeah. We're not, not quite cutting it here. But I think for Brentford, losing 4-0 to you was fantastic because we turned around, had a look at ourselves and flipped mm. the script. And after that, we, we pretty much didn't start looking back after that, which was good. No, yeah. Um, tremendous for you to be in this position now. And obviously, it's a, it, it's a, really, it's a, it's a really big head-to-head, isn't it? And it's a, it could be very significant for both of our seasons. That's right. I mean, this is obviously, I hate to use the cliche, but it is a big six-pointer. Yeah. Um, when we when we saw the game going to be it was in, you know when the guys said they're going to come down last September and I thought oh games in January could be quite interesting but never did we think it was going to be so important mm. and obviously you know you need to consolidate your position up there for us we're just happy to be there and we're not saying we want to lose but it's no. almost like there's there's less pressure on us because no one expects us to be here in the first place yeah um, yeah I can understand that I and mean, I, I imagine that. Uh, the Bournemouth is almost like the template that you, I think you've said this to me before, but the template that you would like to follow because obviously Bournemouth did very, very, there's, there's that momentum, isn't there, when you, come, when you get promoted, that, that, that the teams that have gone straight through this division, like Norwich and Southampton, and, and of course uh, Bournemouth did very well last season, and, and, and now are even stronger this, this term, for, you know, as they built on it. That's correct. And, you know, and for us, a lot of people say, oh, do you think you're going to go up? We almost don't think about it. We quite like the idea that we're in these playoff places and we're annoying quite a few people because people say, you shouldn't be there. That's really our place. And we're just like, look, we're just here anyway. But it doesn't really matter to us. But the reality is that you you want to grow and you want to strengthen. And, you know, maybe another division in this division is better than actually going all the way through. But then saying that, Southampton, they didn't look back, did they? No, no. so and some people say, look, if the opportunity comes, you just take it. You know? Yeah, I think they do. You know, so it might never come again. You hope to build one season after the next, but you know, you never know what's going to happen, really, do you? That's and um, yeah, I, so you, you you take you certainly take it if it's given <laughs> if you've worked for it anyway. That's right. And talking about not knowing what's going to happen, I mean, something very strange happened today. Where out of the blue, you had a player that used to play for us. Yeah. for you I mean God, where did that come from 
I was a bit, it's been a complete um, surprise for us as well. We, we knew that we were looking to get an, an extra midfielder. Uh, we, we needed, at the very least, we needed cover. We had uh, a player from Spurs who has gone back. Uh, it, it was, he played, he came on the field at, at Millwall. He played two or three games as substitute, really. Um, but it, it's, it's not fair for these, these players need to play games. Um, and then I thought we were just going to go and loan someone again. But that brings its own problems because we, you can only have so many loan players, can't you? But then, yeah, we, we, we read that we've actually gone to, to, to Wigan. And we're obviously dropping like a stone and seem to be shedding players left, right and centre as well, don't they? And, um, and, and, and you know a lot more about this player than I do. I, I don't, don't remember seeing him at Wigan and I, um, I, I've not seen him play for Brentford, obviously. Adam, well, Adam for sure. And yep. a massive, massive favourite at Griffin Park. Played for us. We actually came from Everton Academy. He's part of our system where, you know, what our manager does, he goes and signs these players, which are kind of developing. The academies have got them. They're not going to sign them on contracts. We pluck them, see a lot of, our, uh, you know, see the future in them, get yeah. them, train them up, and then put them in our side. Just put them in there. Six months, a year later, a year and a half later, they turn into good players. And Adam Forshaw is one of these players who, when he first started off, he was so-so, but he just got better and better. Ended up being Division One Player of the Year, um, um, you know, Football League Player of the Year. He's also yeah. Brentford Player of the Year last season. Great, you know, player, picks up the ball from midfield, runs with it, you know, creative midfielder. Um, and he was fab. And obviously when Uwe Rossler went to, to Wigan, he decided to poach for sure just at the beginning of the season. It was a pretty acrimonious split, let's put it this way, because it was believed by certain parties that Wigan didn't act in the best way when they approached him and how they did the deal. So there was all sorts of battles. And if you look online, you'll see there's um, lots of documentation of what exactly went down. But anyway, long story short, for sure went... um, but we managed to buy some other players, um, some really decent players, and people yeah. have turned around and said, not in a horrible way, look, he's gone, but it's probably the best thing that's happened for us because we've actually got yeah. more, even more creative in our midfield. Um, great player, want to see him do really well, and to be quite honest with you, I'm, actually, I'm glad he's found himself a decent club to play for because we all thought Wigan was a little bit of a, you know, with all due respect to Wigan, we didn't know why he'd go from Brentford to Wigan because it's not a step up. We thought that he'd do actually a lot better if he was going to move somewhere. Mm. You know. No, looking forward to. Uh, I think basically we, we we've got uh, two two very combative midfield players in in, in Ledford and Clayton who have both had absolute blinders at at, uh, at Man City. But you need more than two players. Um, players, especially in those positions, pick up suspensions. The, 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 either of them could get injured, and uh, they also need the competition, don't they? And and great to hear that this that that we're, we're signing somebody who's. Uh, it sounds like it's got tremendous potential that can be developed. 100%, yeah. I mean, you talked about, you know, Clayton Ledbetter. I mean, who else should we be looking out for uh, from in, in the Borough team? I mean, well, have, 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 a look at, have a look at the goals against Column, and you'll see that we, we've conceded so many, so, so few goals compared to everybody else in, in the division, really. Uh, the defence works as a unit. Um, it's the one area that we don't... Uh, that I took like as... He never fixed the same team twice, but the defence is the what is the one unit that he that he uh, he least fiddles around with. Although in saying that, we've we've 
we've had a six, we, we've been very unlucky with right backs. We've had a lot of bad injuries to right backs. So we, I think we're on about the fourth or the fifth now. Um, but we've just signed um, uh, on loan uh, a guy called Callas from Chelsea. He's just come back from from he's come from Germany from Cologne to play for us, and he looks he, look, he he's got he's got all the hallmarks of a, of a Chelsea fullback, uh, stroke centre back, uh, um, strong and and and. Uh, uh, very good going forward, but the, the the two players that were the, probably the stars of the show uh, defensively, anyway, at Man City um, and have been all season have been have been Ayala and Gibson. Gibson being the nephew of the of the chairman, which I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know. But we said he, he went out on loan for a whole season to Tranmere, and that was the, really the making of him. But those two players so well together, um, and, um, and 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 poor Dimi Constantopoulos, the goalkeeper. Uh, he was, he, you know, uh, teams play a different keeper in, in the FA Cup, and sadly for him, he, he, well, he didn't play at Liverpool, he didn't play at Manchester City, so he's missed two of the biggest games. But he's been just so consistent in, in goal uh, and played so well. And then George Friend at left back, um, as well as being strong in defence, which was his Achilles heel uh, before I um, before I talk him. He's, he's a, a real sort of buccaneering figure going forward. Um, so yeah, the, the, with with the, with, the, with the two midfielders I mentioned before, and that defence were very 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 solid, very very strong. But we've got a lot of attacking threat, um, and I'm not sure who we play because we we tend to chop and change uh, the, the forwards. Uh, Tomlin played superbly at Manchester City, but uh, he's probably a little bit different because he's like a creative a number ten player um, you might remember him from Peterborough Sorry, much uh, remember him. yeah um, and, but, but um, Vossen was a centre forward against uh, City he's on loan from um, uh, Belgian club Genk uh, he scored a hat-trick when we were last in London at, at, at Millwall um, but he's, he's sometimes rested in terms of, of Kike who was, who was signed from the Spanish second division so that was a bit of a step up from him but he's got a lot of skill Kike and um, uh, Vossen's probably got more pace and strength. He's a Belgian international, so he's got that experience as well. And Bamford, of course, who, who um, I think you were one of one of the many teams who, who, who would have uh, liked to have signed Bamford from Patrick Bamford from Chelsea this season. Is that right? Uh, it was. It was quite close as well, from what I can yeah. gather. Well, he took a while to settle early on, and and, and you can see why because he's he played two, for two clubs last season, didn't he? he, he and he's been. It's a big problem, isn't it, for Chelsea players that they they uh, they go out on on loan and then um, they're just from one club to another. We've had a, we've had a couple of players in the past uh, couple of seasons who've, who've been in that sort of situation, and they take a while to sort of gel into a team. Um, and and but, but he's now feeling the benefit, and and I think Chelsea are, are quite happy for their players to develop with Middlesbrough because they're getting games and they're becoming part of a team. And that, and, and that develops them as a player. And the, the goal he scored at Manchester City, he had no right to get to that. But that's, that's the sort of character he is. He sort of, he, 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 uh, he, he's, he looks like a, like a bean pole, but he's very, very strong. He's very strong in the box and very committed. How I work with uh, a lot of vision and, um, and a lot of pace. Um, and he's had a very good season, which has got better and better as it's gone on. And, and he's, he's obviously clearly loves playing uh, he feels like it's his team, you know, he's part of the team. And, and that, that takes a bit of doing as a surfer, a lone player. It sometimes takes a while to gel like that. But um, So, 
And apart from that, we've got the, we've got wingers, but it could be it could be Adam Reach, it could be Albert Adorma. Uh, I've got another a Dutch player called Wilshire, but he doesn't play that much now. But um, um, it, so it, 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 we usually just play with one winger at the moment with, with Bamford wide. But that might it might it might change the uh, not only changes the team, but he changes the formation quite a bit, and and maybe during the match as well. Um, so you probably it was I think you might see Adam Reach because he tends to rotate Reach and Adoma, and he's a, a young player that's come. Through. He's come to our academy, but we did actually sign him as an 18-year-old from Gateshead College, I think. Um, and he's got a lot of potential. Right, OK, well, well, just for the feedback and just for the Borough fans as well, just giving you a little a brief on the Brentford team, the players probably to look out for. I mean, we play through the midfield. We play a wicked passing game in midfield, quick on yeah. the break. Personally, you've got to look out for Hotter. The Spanish guy with the headband, you can't miss him. He's oh, I remember him. At, I remember the Riverside. He, oh. he, he, he looked good, even though you were you were a bit well beaten. He, he, he was that, impressive. That, that was his one of his first first or second game, and that that time oh, really? he was struggling to deal with the UK, um, the pressure of the UK game, the fact yeah. that we're so fast paced. But he's now got used to it. Now he is unbelievable. Mm. He just does tricks where he can do a shimmy and leave two players on the floor. So mm. you've got to look out for Hotter. Judge, you're lucky he's not playing. He's injured at the moment now. Um, Pritchard is the, the, the young guy from um, Tottenham on loan that we've got for the season. He's been causing lots of problems the last few weeks. You'll see him, small guy up front, fantastic yeah. player as yeah. well. Um, and and Diagora, Diagora in the middle, he is our Vieira-type player. He was almost on his way out, but again, because Forshaw left and we got a couple of injuries, he got his place back in the side. He kind of was at Portsmouth and... Coventry tied to buy him last season and we were thinking should we let him go or not and he's just flipped and he's just become unbelievable with this holding midfield style now at the moment now he's been fantastic and then Andre Gray quick up front if he's on his game he's really dangerous and I said to the Norwich fans yesterday if he doesn't score a goal you'll bring him down out of inside or outside the box and that's exactly what they did last week so right. there's a few of the key players that you've got to look out for Brentford um, yeah. at the weekend but the keeper's been playing well hasn't he the keepers, but of course, I've got to mention Button. He had a, he's had a couple of absolutely blinding games, and uh, especially at Norwich, even though Norwich shouldn't have got any points, he pulled off a couple of saves which are just incredible. And uh, we had an interview with Tony Parks. If a lot of people remember him, the ex goalkeeper, uh, goalkeeper yeah. at Tottenham, he's also ex um, Brentford keeper, and I've known him from back in the day. So we got hold of him because he's actually um, Norwich's goalkeeping coach. And he told us a story that, you know, he was at some European game and uh, Uwe Roster called him up and said, we've just sold our goalkeeper, um, Wood, um, not Wood, um, so Simon Moore, just out of the blue, we've sold him to, to Cardiff and I need a goalkeeper now. Who do you reckon? And Tony Parks recommended Button. He said, mate, this is kid who was at Tottenham. He left Tottenham to go to Charlton. You need to sign him. I think he's going to be one of the best goalkeepers around Premier League quality. So he did. So that was quite an interesting conversation with Tony Parks. Yeah. Um, Still, but anyway, listen. You guys are coming down this weekend. You're coming down in your droves. You've sold out your tickets. Like I said, loads of you have bought train tickets from weeks and months yeah. ago. You know, so it's yeah. it's going to be a bit of a party down at Griffin Park because I mean you'll be leaving at four and five o'clock in the morning in all sorts of ridiculous times. Yeah. Um, you know, the pubs are open at nine o'clock. You know, a few of the choice pubs. You know, it's going to be on your website. Fly me to the moon. And also, yeah. if you check besotted.co.uk, a few of the articles on there as well, you'll see 
pubs are opening. I think the Globe's open at nine. Um, the, the Lord Nelson's open at nine at nine thirty. I think the Griffin's open at nine thirty and stuff like that as well. And there's probably a few of them open as well. There's loads of pubs in Brentford. It's a great place for before and after the game. So I'm sure we'll be enjoying a few beers with you Borough boys um, before we uh, have to see you drown your sorrows. <laughs> well, one of us will be. It should be a, a, a big occasion. And it's going to be high noon. High noon at Griffin Park, isn't it? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so listen, it's been great catching up with you, Rob. Nice and, and, and hopefully, hopefully, I'll catch up with you on Saturday at some time yeah. in some establishment in the TW8 manner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, maybe yeah. I'll catch up with you later. Look forward to seeing you. Take care. Bye. So that was Rob from Fly Me to the Moon. He was quite jolly and um, quite confident, I think, especially off the back of that Man City win. I think they'll probably be pretty confident coming down there, don't you? They're all, they're all jolly up there. So the chemicals coming out the ICI factory. Um, yeah, well, they've got every reason to be confident, to be honest with you, because they, they, they properly turned us over uh, up at their place. And um, I just hope that the real Brentford turn up. That was one of the very, very few, I think probably three games all season, where Brentford either haven't coped or just weren't at the levels that would be expected of them. Well, rubbish, basically. No, yeah, well, they, they just fell short. And no, they weren't rubbish. They, 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 played, they played well in stages, that game. But they just, they weren't, they weren't on their game. And Brentford on their game were more than a match for anyone, as we've seen. And it, below, if, you, if we fall below those expectations, we, we lose. Um, and we don't often lose. And we don't often draw. At the finance forum, uh, Mark Warburton admitted that it was a bad day at the office for us, and it was, and that's why I, I don't know how good Middlesbrough because we were awful at Middlesbrough. It was the worst performance, definitely, of our season, and therefore, how good were Middlesbrough against us? I think we've learnt as well since we played Middlesbrough at their place. I'm, I'm, quietly confident. I'm hoping this is going to be a bit like um, when we played Wolves this season the first time. Last time we played them, we'd lost 3-0 and the players probably felt like they let themselves down a bit that day and um, they needed to get you know, need to get something out of the game at um, Griffin Park this season. And I'm hoping it's going to be exactly the same against Middlesbrough. I think if I was um, Mark Warburton, I'd probably put a few of the newspaper clippings up on the wall. I know that's a bit old school. but And, and let's see the players come out and prove that they are better than what happened up at... Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough weren't that good from memory. You know, they, they scored a couple of crackerjack goals that were really, you know, really good goals. Um, and again, I think it was the fact that we didn't turn up. And um, you know, it's probably well, it's probably the only game this season where we haven't, isn't it? Really, I think you know. And this is my view as well. Is that I mean, and again, I don't want to put Borough down, but I thought that they were quite functional when we were up there. So they did the job really well. We were really poor, but even though they beat us four 0 Ironically, you know, I thought that Norwich, you know, I was absolutely kind of like, you know, I was blown away by Norwich. I thought, you know, the way that they dealt with us, I thought these are a really good side. And that's why, if anything, I was almost like slightly disappointed when we went to Norwich this weekend for them to have gone from being really good to being really rubbish. You know, whereas Borough, I think, have been solid. They've got these big players. They play down the wing. They hit you on the break. Very tough in defence. And they just seem to do the right thing. But they didn't 
overly impress me in the way that maybe Derby might do, or if Forrest got their swerve on, they might do. Or I mean, Ipswich are different. Ipswich are a bit more of a grindy downside as well, but they're you know they're impressive as well in the way they delivered. But Borough, they just they did a job to me. I tell you who we who I do rate is Patrick Bamford, and I think that the, our central pairing, whoever it is. Uh, pick two from three will have a hard job containing him this weekend and if they can contain Patrick Bamford then actually all systems are going for the team well you know Bamford was one of the ones we were after at the beginning of the season so there was a bit of a bonfire over, over, over Paddy Bamford but um, yeah you know it, it just shows you that you know our club are looking at those kind of players and we were close Obviously, he's gone to a club where it's perceived to be a bigger one. Um, whether if the same circumstances arose now, he would choose Middlesbrough over Brentford, I, I kind of doubt it. You can see why Sky have chosen this for a clash as well, because actually they're probably going to show the two best managers in the Championship as well. Um, Warburton, we all know, know about, and uh, the Middlesbrough manager himself, Karanka, is a, is is one to watch as well. I think he's got a team playing some decent football. Sky should have a cracker on their hands. I agree um, about it being the live game. I said. I suppose it's a bit disappointing though that it's a 12.15 kickoff. I think we need to somehow treat this like a three o'clock kickoff, and that's fans and players. Um, get in the pubs early, get the atmosphere going, and when we get into Griffin Park, let's really get behind the team. I mean, get the fans down early, it's a very good point because obviously the borough fans, we know this already. I mean, some of them, there's, there's been a couple of hundred that booked into a couple of pubs already for nine o'clock. They're coming down, they're coming down to have a party. Brentford fans really, really just need to just like go to bed early on Friday, get out on Saturday morning, get down the pubs by 9, 9.30am, because if not, they're going to out-sing us, they're going to out-cheer us, and we need to actually make sure that we are rocking as much as they are on Saturday by midday. Well, you know, without being crude, I think we need to get lashed up really early. I think um, I think we need to get on the vodka for breakfast, to be honest with you, because um, you know it's, it's a it's, you know the, the the London we call it let's call it the London pride factor that you know it it is missing if it's not a three o'clock kickoff. So we need to get pissed a lot earlier. We, we owe it to the players. They've done a lot for us this season. It's now it's time for us. Drink up for the bees. Drink up for the bees. <laughs> Listen, on that note, I'm going to get you guys to just give us a score prediction. I don't know if anyone got the score predictions like last week. We were being a little bit more conservative than we were, but we're not we're not being too good with the old crystal ball recently, are we? Not since I got it right a couple of weeks back, no. But I'm going two-one Brentford. I'm going, exa- I'm going exactly the same. I was pessimistic last week. I'm optimistic this week. I'm going pessimism. 1-1. One, one. I was going 1-1 one, one as well. That's going to go for it. I think we'd, we'd, we're over a draw, so one all to the bees. Carney, Borough, drink. We'll drink on our own. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be hearing that on Saturday anyway. But listen, this has been the besotted Pride of West London podcast. It's been a good little chinwag. We know a lot more about the club. We know a lot about more the ethos of what's going down. And we know about what's going down on Saturday when Borough come down. Get yourselves down the pubs very, very early, guys, because it's going to be absolute carnage down there. We know that for a fact. It's going to be a lot of fun. I keep forgetting to say, but you can actually subscribe to these podcasts if you go into Audio Boom and push some button on there. Also, if you go to iTunes, there's also a button on there. You can subscribe and they'll all come down to your phone automatically you can also check us on besotted.co.uk audioboom.com and besotted1992 on youtube it's uh it's all over for us tonight we've had a really good fun 
and uh, we're really looking forward to Saturday. We're going to be in the pubs early, so we're going to see you in there. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.